You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to Douglas Elmendorf, Dean of Harvard Kennedy School and Don K. Price Professor of Public Policy, discuss Harvard's Arctic Initiative. The dialogue is followed by a Q&A with the audience and is moderated by Olaver Ragnar Grimsson, Chairman of the Arctic Circle and former President of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2022 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. Mr. Chairman, uh, distinguished guests and fellow participants, it is a great pleasure for me and my wife to be here in this beautiful country with its warm and welcoming people and to be here at this assembly with all of you who care so deeply about a healthy and sustainable future for the Arctic and for the world. I'm grateful to President Grimson for his invitation to participate in this Arctic Circle Assembly. I am so impressed by the vision and passion that motivate President Grimson and all of you who have helped to develop and foster the Arctic Circle, uh, including my friend Alice Rogoff, who was pivotal in the establishment of the Assembly and also in the establishment of Harvard's Arctic Initiative. The Arctic Circle Assembly is more and more vital each year as the effects of a changing climate become increasingly apparent and as the challenges of climate change become increasingly intertwined with the challenges of economic development, social inequities, and geopolitics. I'm excited to be here at this remarkable gathering and to have this opportunity to learn from all of you. The Arctic Initiative at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government was launched five years ago. Its creators were our faculty members, John Holdren and Henry Lee, and Hatla Lagerdotter, who is an alumna of our school and who is now the Director General of Iceland's National Energy Authority. I'm grateful for Henry's and John's commitment to this work, and especially grateful to Hatla. I remember well when she came into my office the first time to say that an Arctic initiative at Harvard was necessary if Harvard was to serve the world in the way that we could and should serve it. And since the initiative was necessary, she would make sure that it happened. And so she did. And our Arctic initiative uh, is now busy uh, with many people involved exploring the complexities of the changing Arctic to understand the changes and to help develop the best ways to respond. The initiative involves our faculty members, visiting experts on the Arctic, Harvard students, and most importantly, a diverse set of leaders from the Arctic region, with an emphasis on building knowledge and capabilities together. Young people everywhere, those of you in this room, uh, and Harvard students who aren't here, and many, many others with whom I talk, understand the existential threat that climate change poses to them and future generations. That is why they are demanding more education on climate change, and especially on regions that will be the most changed, such as the Arctic. Through our Arctic initiative, we launched a new course called Policy and Social Innovation for the Changing Arctic, a course that emphasizes innovative solutions to pressing issues. In the course, students are mentored by Arctic experts as they research a policy area of interest and develop their own approaches. When the pandemic hit, the course was redesigned and traveled virtually to Greenland. Through a partnership with scholars, policymakers, and students in Greenland, 
the Greenland policy challenge now exists as a wonderful experiential learning opportunity. Beyond the course, our Arctic Initiative supports dozens of student research assistants who work with our faculty and others to understand crucial issues facing the Arctic, including the impacts of permafrost thaw, ocean pollution, resilience and infrastructure and public health in Arctic communities, Arctic governance and diplomacy, and the implications of increased shipping across the Northeast and Northwest passages due to melting sea ice. These opportunities inspire students, and I want to offer just one specific example. A recent alumna of the Kennedy School emailed me to say, while at the Kennedy School, I really fell in love with Arctic studies, and this newfound interest surprised me as much as anyone. I live in Los Angeles and previously had minimal experience working on climate-related issues. Then she said that given this newfound interest, she is about to lead a new center for climate journalism and communication at the University of Southern California. And I can tell many other stories like hers. I want to emphasize that the work of our Arctic Initiative depends heavily on our collaboration with people from the Arctic region, drawing on their expertise and perspectives to advance rigorous research and training with an important focus on equity. For example, as part of the James J. McCarthy Arctic Indigenous Youth Leaders Program, we have partnered with the Association of World Reindeer Herders, the International Center for Reindeer Husbandry, the Arctic Council Indigenous Peoples Secretariat, and the UArctic Elot Institute to co-create a workshop for Indigenous youth leaders. And of course, we bring Harvard people to the Arctic Circle Assembly each year to interact with people from the Arctic region. A highlight for our students is the Arctic Innovation Lab, where young leaders from the Arctic states and beyond engage in a collaborative environment to pitch ideas for policy innovations. This year, we are scaling new heights with this project by partnering with colleagues at the University of Iceland, University of Greenland, and UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Harvard's engagement in Arctic issues is part of our broader commitment to address climate change and sustainable development around the world through our research and teaching and through our operations and investments. In conclusion, I think the Arctic Circle Assembly is a wonderful and important example of the hard, creative, and collaborative work we all must do to achieve peace, prosperity, and sustainability in the world. I'm honored to be included in this year's assembly and delighted to have this chance to interact with experts, leaders, and students who are passionate about the future of the Arctic and the future of our planet. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and please uh, take a seat. Uh, and thank you for coming to the assembly to demonstrate the commitment of the Kennedy School and Harvard University to... Uh, to the Arctic courts. Uh, I don't know how much you know about uh, how and in what spirit Hadla went to Harvard, but to some extent she was our agent at Harvard. <laughs> to, uh, well, she was a very effective Oh, uh, no, agent. I knew. That's why we sent her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I have believed for a long time that uh, uh, strong universities, especially the major American universities, 
play an extraordinary role in the world, irrespective of what happens in Washington. And sometimes it's a distorted picture to just look at the entertainment that goes on in Washington. Uh, instead of concentrating on the contribution that some of the foundations in Rockefeller, Ford, and so on, Carnegie, but also the major universities. So let me begin by asking you, after you return uh, back to the States, what is the role you see for Harvard or other major American universities in this extraordinary challenging uh, situation the world is in and the Arctic is in the climate, which has been the current theme since we started this opening session at, uh, uh, at one o'clock this, this afternoon. So Harvard's research and teaching are meant to serve the world. They are interesting for their own sake, but the point is to have a positive impact on the lives of people across the United States and around the world. At the Kennedy School, roughly half of our students come from outside the United States. They learn from our faculty, they learn from each other, and they learn about the challenges that are being faced in different countries around the world. Uh, one of our recent graduates is now here working with Hatla. She comes from India, and her goal, having learned more about the Arctic at the Kennedy School, is to learn more, still more here and then to go back and work on these issues in India. And so I think that we have responsibility to, to do the research that tackles the biggest challenges in the world, including climate change and the changes in the Arctic, and then to push that research out into the world in ways it can be made use of, to send students out into the world, but to always be learning from people who are facing these challenges on the ground, wherever they live and whatever they're trying to do. No, I think so too. I, mean, I think if you look at the model of the Arctic Circle, you see how it actually works, bringing different players from different levels uh, to, together. And there is, of course, as you know better than I, although I spent part of my life as a professor as well, there's a tendency to kind of be in the ivory tower to make it simple, that you do research, you teach, and so on, and if you do it well, that's basically it. Let others deal with the problems of the world. So do you think you need to be more active? Well, at the Kennedy School in particular, our faculty are mostly very active in the world. John Holdren, who's one of the leaders of this Arctic Initiative, spent eight years as President Obama's chief science advisor. No, no, he has been on advisor. the stage, yes, yes. Yes, and his co-director, uh, Henry Lee comes from the Massachusetts state government and works with that government. Mm. So I think it's important that universities not to be ivory towers. Mm. And part of what I find so exciting about the school that I'm lucky to be the dean of mm. is that we do not view ourselves as separate and isolated. That's mm. exactly the wrong thing for our purpose. We want to be engaged with people around the world. Mm. Okay, let me open. Yes. Okay, there's a question there. Please, start that. Yes, thank you. Hello, my name is Aira, uh, and I'm a student from the Faroe Islands. Uh, how do you fight disinformation and uh, uh, climate denialism? And uh, do you believe that you can change people's mind once they have made it up? <laughs> Their mind, that is. Well, so changing people's minds is hard. Um, I have colleagues at the Kennedy School who are um, 
trained in psychology and how people's minds work, how people respond in particular to disagreement and the ways in which they can get locked into their views, or if done right, might be encouraged to change their views. Uh, but that's not easy, and, and we are working on it. Um, there are particular issues posed by the disinformation that one sees in social media and to some extent the media more broadly. I have colleagues who are working on those issues as well and working on them together with the colleagues who think about how people's minds work. So there's a, a study of what's coming out of certain media organizations um, and individuals combined with a study of how this is going into people's minds and how it might be, might be affected. But I, th I think it is difficult. Part of what Harvard is thinking as it looks ahead for its work on climate broadly is to bring all the parts of Harvard, all the different perspectives to bear. And so one way you can move some people's minds is to show them graphs uh, or tables of numbers. That's, I'm an economist by training, so that kind of works for me. But many other people are moved in different ways um, through art, through uh, drama, um, through plays, through music, through uh, poetry, through visualizations. And I think we, need to, we as a society need to use all of those approaches to bring these issues home to people. And Harvard is trying to be part of that across this set of, set of ways of thinking about the world. We've already run out of time, but I will take one question there. Uh, uh, and be quick, and hopefully a quick answer. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Was me? Okay. Uh, my name is Rasmus Bertelsen from Aquarelli and Tromsø. I was a postdoc at the Kennedy School 2006 to 9. It was an incredible experience. Uh, we see in Europe uh, more and more limitations on academic cooperation with countries like China and Russia. How does Harvard respond to a world where even the West is cutting intellectual ties with others? Thank you. So, thank you for the question. Um, President Bacow of Harvard has been very explicit publicly that Harvard, Harvard scholars need to continue to work with and learn from scholars around the world, regardless of the government of the country in which they are living and working. For the Kennedy School, um, we often engage with people from foreign governments, um, and that is sometimes more affected by the geopolitical situation, but on a scholarly research basis, we strongly believe that these interactions should continue. We have many students coming to the Kennedy School from different countries in the world over time, notwithstanding whatever the, the state of the political relations are between the United States and, and their countries. And I, I hope and expect and will do my best, best to have that continue. Thank you. That's encouraging and hopefully the Kennedy School and Harvard will continue their engagement with the Arctic Circle. I, I think it can be very productive for you as well. We, we hope so and intend to. With, yes. Okay. You. So now we will move to Scotland. Uh, we all remember how the first minister of Scotland came here some years ago for the first time. This led to an Arctic policy by Scotland. And now uh, the foreign Affairs representative of the Scottish government has traveled to Iceland to give us a report on how the Arctic government of Scotland is moving forward. Thank you very much. Thank you.